Live across the greatest city known to man, from Altona to Abbotsford. From, from inside the Melbourne Club to outside and into the Bentley, it's Howie and the Moon Man. And of course me, Malcolm, the Prime Minister. The Winter Breakfast on Triple M. Friday morning. Friday. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you. How are you are uh, chipper and up and about today for a man that's taken a long drive from the coast. <laughs> why why so? Rubbing your hands together merrily like a boy on Christmas just, morning. Well, Friday's always a great day, but last night, Thursday night, my folks were over at the moment from Tasmania. So we sat down for dinner last night, the entire clan. So myself, the big penguin, the pickle, the E-bomb, the eagle, and right. Genie Pops. So the entire Howie crew. The E-bomb is Mrs. Howie. Mrs. Howie. Eagle is uh, Dad. Yep. And uh, Genie Pops is Mum. And Genie Pops spent three hours slaving away over the traditional roast with Ooh. the full... Full uh, array of veggies. Oh, the re- veggies, the roast potatoes, the gravy put on top, the Hello. apple on the side of the pork. That gives me... Po- a roast pork. Oh, a roast pork. And Does the, she know how to crackle, Jeannie well, Pop? the crackle was <laughs> extraordinary, brother. And the E-bomb, magnificent in many departments. Not cooking roasts, not a roast cooker, not really into meat in... So that is anyway, my, that is my wheelhouse. That is my strength. Yeah. The, I know how to roast. You can't. So well done to Jeannie Pop. She won't be up this morning, especially after Eagle got onto his fourth bottle of red at one stage <laughs> last night. I'm not sure he's up to listen to this praise of his beautiful wife. Tell you what, I smashed a gamay too at my wife's uh, birthday dinner last night. How did it go? This is the, the how long what. have you been married for? I've been married since 2009. 2009. You are now, what year of age? I'm 52. I got married when I was 44. I'm a, I'm a late adopter. Right. So she yeah. was having a 25th birthday from what I can figure out by between the age differences. A little bit later than that, yeah. But uh, And you had no present at this time yesterday morning is what I'm getting to. Well, no, it had been a busy week filling in for Mick Malloy because he oh, gives yeah. the impression that it's all very easy and it's, you know, a beer in one hand or a falafel in the other. But he's a busy man. I, I know it's busy. Because I'm filling in, I'm doing... Triple M hot breakfast, yes. the winter breakfast. Uh, you know the the front bar, last which was night. extraordinarily good. It was thank you very much, a joy. Uh, the kick before the game, he's got a lot on Mick Malloy, and all of a sudden I'd forgotten my wife's birthday. I'm blaming him, and uh, so but I remembered on the day. So handmade card as I left yesterday. I love you. That's that's got to win some points. Handmade card. Uh, Tom's with Tom's, us this morning. Tom is nodding that? away. Tom, Tom to me, handmade hand is couldn't made. even be stuffed to go down to Are the news ju- agent. No, handmade no. is what the big no, no, penguin no. produces no, no, at no. school. Oh. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's exactly where it touches someone inside. I'm not sure about that. That the it's the child within. Stars, happy faces, I love you, happy birthday. Uh, then I bought uh, about half a dozen bottles of champagne. Went into her workplace, throw a little champagne party for the whole staff. Uh, up on a chair, took a photo. Didn't get to do the five minutes of stand-up, as promised. <laughs> which you said you'd give stand-up, which is, as I said, like me sitting at home, turning the Channel 9 commentary down and commentating the cricket for Mrs. Howie and saying, happy birthday. Yeah, which I think would be great. If you I gave me that as a... Would. If you came around and, and commentated a Bombers <laughs> game in my... Li, la, live in the lounge room, I'm having beer straight out of the esky and Howie's standing there... <laughs> Yeah, Joey Danaher! That'd be great. Anyway, it all worked out very nicely. Uh, we went out for dinner last night at Bistro Thierry, and uh, they're big fans of the show down there. They said, where's Eddie? And I said, he's having a, a well-earned rest. Uh, well, well done to you. And your beautiful wife's name is... Is Lulu. Is Lulu. Happy birthday to Lulu from Yes I The great thing about the world is its diverse shapes and colours. Everyone's not, different. Not what you were saying in the break, big boy. No. <laughs> big we, boy. What we were doing, we were talking about the different body types yes. and how, you know, you're blessed with a body type and uh, sometimes uh, those body types tend to put on more weight. Mm. Some people, weirdly, find it hard to gain weight. Weird. Now, this all comes off the back of a, a sugar quiz in the paper. Uh, a sugar quiz. So Page we're talking sugar. Seven of the Herald Sun today, Life Quencher. It's one of those articles that, Almost doesn't need to be written in there. Oh, really? A headline, Aussie study shows sweet drinks boost risk of type 2 diabetes. I'm no journalist. <laughs> I'm no doctor. I think I can figure that out. So that the pop, a bit of a dirt, The pop sugar quiz for you. Okay. How many teaspoons of sugar in a bottle of Solo 600 mil? 600 mil? Yes. I would say... Uh... 14 to 15. 17.25. Would you like a cup of tea, sir? Yes. How many sugars would you like yeah. with that? 17.25, thanks. It does put a, uh, a different slant on putting two 
teaspoons of sugar in your cappuccino, doesn't it? A 600 mil Coca-Cola. How many teaspoons of sugar? Much better for your Coke. Than Solo. Much, much better. It, but Solo's the thirst crusher. Well, Bang uh, it down fast because it's light on fizz, Howie. It might be, but it <laughs> ain't light on sugar. It ain't light on sugar, Big Daddy. A oh. Coke, which gives you that beautiful summery feeling. Yep. 16 teaspoons of sugar. See, I would have a can of Coke maybe once or twice a year. Maybe after working in the garden or getting... <laughs> Getting very dry, it's a it's a great drink. How often? But once or twice a year. And this is the one I find hard because this is my favourite. Unless are a sponsor of the station, then get out and get yourself a Coke. Icy cold can, it's good for you. <laughs> my favourite drink <laughs> on the planet, chocolate milk. Uh, your big oh. M. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Go okay, 600 serve. mils. Uh, it's 500 mils. 500 mils. Yes. Uh, please tell me, it's is it 10? Oh, it's only 11.13 teaspoons okay. of sugar with your chocolate milk. So how many grams, because we go by grams of sugar now per 100 grams. 44.5 grams. Well, that's that's over your daily allowance, isn't <laughs> Thank it? Thank you. But now, but what you can sort yourself out by going to our good friends at Boost Juice and getting yourself a nice, healthy juice. So let's say a Boost Green Tea Mango Mantra, 610 mils. How many teaspoons of sugar would you imagine that is? Now, this is the difficult thing for a lot of people because, of course, fruit is very high in sugar. Yes. It's a different kind fructose of sugar. is the type of sugar you're so talking about. So it's not yet. However, well, I, I'm not sure how much fructose glucose, is in this. Fructose, sucrose. Yes. There's a lot of roast out there. So how many teaspoons of sugar of all a, varieties in a 610 mil uh, boost juice shaker? Mango. Mango. Mango is very sweet fruit. I would say probably 12. 23.43. Would you like a cup of coffee? Yep, yep. How many sugars would you like? 23.43. No, let me mash this mango. Oh, yeah, go on. Mash that. Yeah. Well, it it can be misleading, but there's a difference between, um, you know, processed sugar and naturally occurring sugars. But you've got to keep an eye on it. Sugar's become the enemy in the the current world, hasn't it, for whatever reason? Well, it has because it... uh, it makes people obese and it causes type 2 diabetes. There you go. Yeah. It's hard to sell that one, mm. isn't it? CSR. Yes. yes. Commonwealth Sugar Refineries. Listen, yes. we've got this stuff over here. Mm. Uh, now, you said you wiped sugar out of your diet. And look I at did. you. You're, you're at a trim. How heavy are you? 75 kilos right. on a good day. Because I stood on the scales this morning. I had a big day yesterday. Right. Mm. There was free donuts at the, the front bar. <laughs> mm, mm. Donuts. And I was tired. I did a bit of tired eating. Right. And uh, so I whacked, whacked on a kilo and a half yesterday. I'm 96 kilos. So I'm, I'm way out of your weight division. You don't want to take me on. If no, I fell I on don't. you. I, I don't. If I fell I don't. on you, I could hurt you. Hey, taking the sugar out, which is difficult because you have to look at all the labels, etc. And I'm not big on this diet or that diet or doing this or that. But I just thought I'm going to give it a go because a couple of mates did it. And they said it, it changed the way they felt. Uh, I did it really disciplined for one full year. So everything, if it had sugar in it, I just wouldn't eat it. Like if it, tomato sauce, I'm not putting it on whatever. Right. Like all sugar out for a year. And I've never felt so consistent. You just right. don't, uh, you don't, it doesn't get to four o'clock and you feel tired. You just sort of power on through the day, especially with me with traveling and flying a lot. You just don't feel anywhere near as tired. You just feel a lot more consistent through the day. So it made me feel pretty good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're after. But no vanilla slices. Ooh. <laughs> Tough. Moon, sometimes you say, I want the next segment. You don't tell me what's happening. I get nervous. That's what we're doing now. We're doing an on-air reveal, which mm. I'm going to show you something, and then you get a reaction and oh. uh, let the folk out there know exactly what you're looking at. Okay. During the comedy festival, uh, I would do a little bit of crowd work talking about, you know, the people pay to come and see me. Would I come and pay to see you work? Right. And then I'd say chances are probably not. Right. What do you do for a job? <laughs> And uh, some jobs I would go and watch, like you know, like say I would drive semis. It's like I want to go, I, I want to sit in your cab and go to Perth with you. I want to watch you. <laughs> right. I'll pay. Right. And so there was a, a motor mechanic, and I said, "Oh, that's my dream job. I'd love to be a motor mechanic." Talking about how much I'm into cars, and uh, and I said particularly because when you go to the toilet, there's always that calendar <laughs> on the back of the door yeah. from some motor supplier with their name and a big boob, boobied girl there. Uh, Does that still happen in 2017? Well, I got a calendar. Oh, you I got, got a calendar, calendar sent to me. Oh, this is what you're going to reveal to me. And uh, I want to say a big hello to uh, Brett Abbotton and the boys from Crankshaft Rebuilders. <laughs> oh, crikey. <laughs> Here we go. This is real. Crankshaft oh, Rebuilders. <laughs> right. And, you know, wow. Brett said, listen, uh, we're already seven months into the year. Right. There's uh, 
There's Miss July. She's terrific. So uh, we're looking the, at nude women on air, basically. It's the the airbags are not only part of the vehicles down there at Crankshaft Rebuilders. <laughs> this is what you show me on air at twenty to yeah, seven. Yeah, there you go. But wow. The great Brett was very happy with the calendar because he said you get a different girl for every month. So some calendars you just get the one girl, and then you have the rip off. The month. What month do you want to go to? What month were you born in? I was born in October. October. There you go. Crikey, I didn't see her at the hospital. <laughs> Lawrence, why oh. are your glasses fogging up? Well, <laughs> why have oh. I gone cross-eyed? So, the boys at Crankshaft Motors, uh, uh, Crankshaft it is 2017, gentlemen. <laughs> it is 2017. Moon Man, occasionally a show appears on our television screens that mm. catches my eye. And Yummy Mummies premiering Sunday at 9pm on Channel 7. Their little clip on Facebook, over a million views, it is blowing up the internet. This is a little bit of it. You do realise once you have the baby what's going to happen. They're going to put it on your tummy and it's going to crawl up and like head nod. And then it's going to attach to your boob and suck. Must watch TV. And the voice that you heard whisper breastfeeding then is Lorinska Merrington. She is one of the yummy mummies and she joins us, Howie. Lorinska, welcome to the Winter Breakfast on Triple M. Hello, thank you for having me. It's so, so exciting to be here. Clearly, uh, Yummy Mummies has been shot previously because yes. you were pregnant I during was. the series and now your baby has come out. It has. What have you had? you got to wait to watch the show. Oh, nearly got it. You can't give away the punchline. So what's the premise, Lorinska, of Yummy Mummies? So so pretty much uh, Channel 7 followed four of us mums mm. and um, we were all roughly about 27 to 30 weeks pregnant. And it was just pretty much following our journey. So from um, getting our scans to getting our hair blow wave to just pretty much what we do normally or what I do in my day-to-day -day life, except the cameras were just slipped in. And your first baby for all four of you? Uh, except for Jane. She's right. got her, she's got a, um, a little boy. That's Let's Jane Scandizo, model yes. and wife of Joey Scandizo, uh, Melbourne model Rachel Watts and Maria Di Geronimo yes. from Adelaide. Say Geronimo. <laughs> did, did you sing that a lot during the series? Do you know what? Say Geronimo. It's so every time, and I'd have to just sit right. back and go, don't sing the song. Say Geronimo. <laughs> How do you qualify to be a yummy mummy? It's so, I've had this question asked a few times, and it's being a yummy mummy, it is really such a personal, it's such a personal thing. And for me, to for me, it's when I go to Pilates in the morning. And love a bit of Pilates. I love Pilates um, and just me feeling good. And in saying that, there were some days where I did have pyjama parties and I sat at home and I literally did not move from the couch. Are those pyjama parties in the show? No. Okay, so the cameras didn't go everywhere, Moon Man. <laughs> yeah, now you Google They literally nearly did go everywhere, okay. though. Okay. They were pretty much there all the time. Uh, is, it a, is it revealing? Because if you throw yummy mummies into images on Google, there are some photos that be fair to say we've done a fair bit of, of that series. before you came in here. And isn't that funny? Because I've done that too. But when you do look at yummy mummies, you just see of such a wide variety. Mm. And I think the difference between us four girls is that, yes, we do love to be in our heels. We do love our tight clothes. Um, we do like to get our hair and makeup done and, you know, we still want to feel good. And I think it's important when you feel good, you know, you, you, you present yourself well. And that was something that I think was really important to me. Was um, it shot like the birth as well? Because that's see. a So, well, we <laughs> give us a tease forward. We've heard enough teasers, I think, mate. We've got four pregnant women. We've got, we've got hormones. We've got, we've got hormones. We've got what, if we babies. We've got contractions. I'm bent at one stage and I swear I look like a cow and I'm moaning and groaning like a crazy woman. Well, it's I'm very revealing. Over. I mean, very confronting for you to have a camera crew there. Do you know the thing? The pain is so bad that you don't even, like there was only one, one, one thing that, two things actually stick out in my mind is when... Um, I, when I said, Andrew goes, what do I do when you go into labor? I said, you don't call the hospital. You just call the producers straight away. They've got to get here. Cause I don't know how quick it's going to wow. be. And he's like, okay, so I've got, he, I got the producer on speed dial. And I'm like, and it actually happened when I was Phil, I was doing interviews. So you do a part of the show and then you, um, and then you go and interview it. So like the real houses. Housewives of Melbourne, like, you know, they do a, a particular scene and then you yeah. do the interview. So it was actually during the interviews and I was like, 
oh my gosh, I'm going to go into labor. And then the boys said, are we going to go for a break? And I called my girlfriend. She lived around a corner and she's had a baby. And I said, um, I said, something's going on. It's kind of getting sore. And then I don't know if this is really gross to say, but it's called a mucus plug, which I didn't know about, but it's like this thing that drops. It sounds bad, but it's, it's part of nature. And I do know about that. And as, I was as, like, I've got two children. <laughs> wow. And I was like, what is that? And she goes, babe, you're in labor. And I was you like, are. I just want to get through this interview and then mm. can you call Andrew? And so anyway, sure enough, I went back and it started to Did the water break pools. then? No, my water didn't break. All right. It was just dripping out slowly. So he had to ring producers. He had to get to the hospital. He had to get the six pack of Coopers. The poor fella yeah. had a lot on his plate. The show is Yummy Mummy. The poor bloke had a lot on his plate. <laughs> this Sunday at 9pm on Channel 7 and continues Tuesday at 8.30. If you've heard this interview and don't listen to that show, you're a freak. Because this has got everything. And I would encourage, you know, uh, young parents-to-be to tune in. You'll, you get to see a lot and be able to share the journey along the way. Lorinska Marrington, thanks very much for being part of Winter Breakfast. Thank you. Now, I read you the first paragraph of a story, Lawrence yeah. Mooney, and you read a paragraph like this, you need to know more. This is from Erin Pearson, the police reporter of the Geelong Advertiser. A man who fled a store on a bicycle carrying a stolen taxidermy turtle under his arm, was chased down and tied up in a dramatic citizen's arrest after his escape, that wasn't the turtle, that was the man that stole him, was foiled by a freight train. That is terrific. It's got all the elements. It does. It's got a man on a bike, a A taxidermy turtle and a freight train. The man at the bottom of this story, his name is Peter Summers. He joins us from G-Town now, Geelong. G'day, Pete. How you doing, Harry Moons? Oh, now wonderful to speak to anyone from Geelong, but this is a story and a half, Pete. Just set the scene. I'm, I'm, sit, I'm sitting in the Abco. I just went up to get the paper at Bowen Heads. I live around the corner from you. Oh, there oh, you hello. go, Pete. Very close there to you home. Go, Pete. There you yeah. go. Well, what what happened, Pete? Put out your address, how you can go around and <laughs> wash your car. Pete, I what know happened? Where, I know where he lives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. Real stalker type of stuff now. Pete, what happened, for goodness sake, man? How did it all unfold, yeah, Pete? Uh, look, yesterday, man, this guy came in the shop. He stuffed a, you know, putting a half-round taxidermy turtle under his, under his jacket. Um, and he pinched a heap of other stuff. His pockets were full of stuff when we got him. But he, uh, he um, came past the counter, said, what a great shop you got, because I don't know if you've ever been to How Bizarre, but it's a pretty cool shop. And he uh, left. My best mate walked in as he left. He said, did that guy just buy a turtle? I said, I don't think so. I, he ran and asked at the counter. They said, no. Me and the young guy who works on his yard, we chased him out the door. He got on his bike, rode around the corner. Freight train was coming through. He, uh, he, um, Jared was running. I was driving the car. Uh, we sort of got him in between the two of us. He, he clipped the car, trying to get away, fell over. Jared jumped on top of him. He um, had a struggle, and he tried to go for his bag. He pulled his um, something out of his bag, and I said, what's that, what's that? Jared got him back down the ground. I kicked it away. We thought it was a pipe bomb. Uh, we rang the police. There were guys across the road, rang the police. The police turned back. Seven cars turned up in about five minutes when we said pipe bomb. Oh, uh, oh, it's escalated it from a turtle to a pipe bomb, Peter. It wasn't actually a pipe bomb. It was a homemade gun. Oh, is that all? And, oh. he, and, he, and he had two of them in his bag, both loaded. Jeez. So it went a bit, bit crazy. Well, hold on. That's some heist. There's a lot of questions come out of that. Uh, that uh, two <laughs> homemade guns and a stuffed turtle. What? what Here he's all right. Is it, okay. He's got a few scratches, but we've got him back. Now, is the stuffed turtle, is it like the Maltese falcon or the Fabergé egg? Is it of significant value? Oh, they were about $500. Oh, okay. So do you reckon not, he was... not huge, but he was, you don't see a turtle every day, do you? No. you were. No. Was he buying it to fence, do you think, or do you think I he was a turtle no appreciator? <laughs> I think he must have been a turtle appreciator. <laughs> the, the, the other junk in his pocket was just rubbish. I, I don't know what he was doing. Oh, Pete, you're a star. Thanks for bringing us up to date. Uh, you're in Magnus and Barwon Hedge. You're in the best part of the world. He's just around the corner from so. your place. Yeah, Have you got a turtle that needs stuffing, <laughs> Howie? Because he could just pop around to your joint and get busy. I'm going to ask for your help this morning, oh. folks, because uh, I'm in a little bit of bother. Yeah. Because kids, they say the darndest things. They do. I've got a 17-year-old and a 4-year-old. And yesterday, as you know, it was Lou's birthday, uh, and I rang her to say happy birthday. Your she wife. Said, By the way, my wife, yes, uh, 
by the way, did you get the message that I sent you? And I said, no. And she said, because I was driving Maggie over to a play date. It's a school holidays from kinder. She's going over to Greta's house, uh, driving along Glenara Road. And as they passed cars, Maggie was screaming out, F off. <laughs> <laughs> from her baby seat in the back seat. F off. How old's Maggie? Four. It's not appropriate. Half. That's not appropriate. Not appropriate. It's not great. <laughs> and doing a fist pump towards the window. So she's like punching, throwing out the left jab towards her. F off. And, uh, I said, oh. And uh, so I got a little bit of a please explain. Because mm. Lulu said, I turned around to Maggie and said, what are you saying that for, sweetheart? And she said, Dad says it. Yeah. Dad says. Come on, Dad. Dad says, F off with a fist pump. <laughs> I, listen, I, I'm not a road rager. I'm not oh, going to wind down the wind. I'm not going to fly the bird. But maybe I'm doing the, uh, the fist pump like, and yelling out within the car. And uh, they say that, you know, your true character is revealed in the motor vehicle. But um, they're little parrots, aren't they? They, they are. hear what you say and they think, oh, that sounds nice. And, you know, F off as a thing to say. It's a, it's a fricative. It's got that F sound. Mm-hmm. It's got a good K sound. And uh, Dad's yelling it, so I'm going to start yelling it. Hence. So we're asking you, what have your kids copied? Have your kids copied what you said? And uh, has it cost you? One triple three five three. Tell me. Uh, the big penguin, or, or big I've learned. I speak a little bit of Italian. Pinguini grande, el penguino grande in Spanish. The big mm. penguin. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, when the second Ted movie was out, they had a full size <laughs> life replica here of Ted the you bear. Didn't sit him down in front of the well, second Ted movie. I, I no, I stole the bear. I shouldn't say this here from Triple M. All right, uh, for one of the kids' birthdays. <laughs> um, what I didn't realise till about a month later when they were wrestling with Ted, who became Hodgie mm-hmm. Bear after the great Luke Hodge, that if you rolled on him a certain way, he had a little thing on his hand, and if you pressed it, he started talking. Right. In a rather inappropriate fashion. Yeah, because he's a little stoner bear that's that right. with a foul mouth. Which I didn't realise like till me. breakfast <laughs> one morning, and the big penguin, and I say to him at age three and a half, mate, what do you want to drink, milk or water? And he says, how about a brewski? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? How about a brewski? Darren from Ballarat, have you have your kids copied what you said? Oh, absolutely. As part of the uh, brainwashing that any good parent does, I was taking my daughter to the football when she was young. Who do you go for? St Kilda. Right, a lot of pain. Uh, and uh, we're walking down the street this one day. And uh, my daughter sees a person in a yellow top and just at the top of her lungs, she was about three and a half at the time, she yells, piss off, um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is terrific. Shouldn't laugh at that, but hard not to. Yeah. You don't want to encourage that, but you certainly want your mates to hear it. (laughs) Very nicely done from Darren and Ballarat. Adam's on the line from Melbourne. G'day, Ad. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Uh, it's about a mate of mine. He, uh, he was telling me about a bit of strife he got in with his missus after his little parrot was in the back seat going through Macca's drive-through. Yeah. And he's losing his mind over the dodgy speaker that's like not quite communicating his order. His happy meal turned nasty. <laughs> so anyway, he's in there. Ah, oh, for F's sake, geez. He's losing it. And, the, and his daughter, he's, I don't know, two or three, he's in the back. Losing her mind as well. Ah, F sake. <laughs> Bloody happy meal. <laughs> oh, when the happy meal turns sour. That's what you want, isn't it? Well, this is what happened after you, your daughter started copying you. That's right. Uh, in fact, I just found out yesterday that uh, Maggie was driving along on her way to a play date and started screaming F off with a fist pump too. <laughs> And, uh, to every other driver on the road. As they passed by, and Lou said, what, what are you doing, sweetheart? And she said, well, Dad says it. <laughs> so in big trouble. Jackson from Geelong, what have, G'day, what have your kids copied that you've said? Uh, I've got a little two-year-old boy, and um, we went to the chemist to pick up a script, and there was quite an attractive young girl working, pretty friendly. And um, we've ended up leaving. I go, oh, I think that lady wants to bang Daddy. Just <laughs> Oh. As you're walking it, as you're walking off, <laughs> just a, just as an aside, just just a father son little convo, and yeah. um, we've ended up going to the pool across the road later, and of course, 
we get served by a couple of ladies, and I scan the membership card, and he goes, Daddy bangs ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you that, reap... is, that is terrific stuff. You reap what you sow, Moon yeah. Man. But it's good to have a walking billboard, isn't it? Uh, Daddy bangs ladies. <laughs> the G20 summit is about to get itself underway in Hamburg, but apparently there has been all sorts going on with demonstrators, etc. Our man on the spot, courtesy of Nine News, a wonderful friend of Triple M, Seb Costello. G'day, Seb. What's happening? Howie, Moonman, well, the protests have been going off for the last few hours. Uh, there's thousands of them here in Hamburg to try and disrupt the G20. Uh, now, for those who haven't heard of the G20 before, it's the Group of 20, or the economic forum that brings together the 20 biggest economies on the planet. So it's the US, Russia, Australia, of course, China. And uh, these are sort of anti-capitalist demonstrators who want to break it up. So at a fish market down the road, police and protesters have been clashing for the last few hours, water cannons, tear gas, you know, the armed police with the riot gear on as well. And I'm being told, I'm, I'm stuck in my hotel room, but I'm being told it's just about to finish up. So when you say stuck in your hotel room, have you received instructions to stay off the streets, Ed? Moon Man, security is beyond anything we have ever seen here in Hamburg, Germany, for this forum. Uh, I'm booked in at the same hotel as the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and, and South Korean leader Moon Jae-in. And we are basically being told you are allowed out, but you won't be allowed back in again. So if you want to spend the night on the streets of Hamburg, by all means, go out and get amongst it. And when I say we're being told, uh, the way the hotel uh, is being operated is it's essentially been handed over to the Hamburg police. So in the lobby, there's police officers everywhere, automatic weapons. Uh, every time you, uh, you do, earlier we were allowed out of the hotel for a Malcolm Turnbull press conference. So every time you do leave, when you come back, you must show your G20 accreditation, your uh, Victorian driver's license, your press card, and then you get the uh, sort of frisking. Uh, which uh, you know, which is certainly a bit firmer than uh, than some of the frisking uh, I've experienced at the MCG and other places. Uh, and I believe also, Moon Man, uh, that the security of this hotel might be even more tight because a certain uh, V Putin may have booked the top floor. That's just a rumour oh, going around right. at the moment. So, amongst all that incredible security and G20 accreditation, they do recognise Vic Rhodes over there. That's terrific. <laughs> <laughs> its reputation precedes it, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Lawrence. Uh, but yeah, the, the uh, I can't confirm whether Putin is staying at the same hotel as Mr. Turnbull, but everywhere you go in the foyer of this hotel, there are unforgettably large men trying to look conspicuous in dark suits and talking into the cuff of their shirt with a big curly earpiece running out of the back of their jacket. Seb, before we let you go, wonderful update you're giving is obviously the world's leaders are there. What is coming out from these people about North Korea? Yeah, well, Donald Trump has made one of the all-time entrances to an economic forum, yeah. uh, Howie. He touched down in Air Force One. That's sort of what we expect. And him and Melania come down the big staircase. Mm -hmm. But one aircraft wasn't enough for Donald. He touches down on Air Force One walks across the tarmac and gets into a military helicopter that's surrounded by a dozen other choppers and they take off for a second flight in Hamburg as part of a helicopter cavalcade, if you like, a helicopter uh, uh, escort. It, just, mm -hmm. it looked like something out of uh, Apocalypse Now, you know, with the, uh, with the Vietnam conflict or something. Um, and he has really set the cat amongst the pigeons with a major speech in Poland where he's basically said, uh, well... This isn't paraphrasing. This is the way that Donald phrases it. North Korea setting off their intercontinental ballistic missile is very, very bad, quote unquote. Very bad. Uh, and as uh, Between the Lines said, he's now considering uh, his own military action back. So our Prime Minister is being a little bit calmer than that. He wouldn't endorse, uh, you know, uh, backing uh, Donald to go off to North Korea and, uh, and start a war. He was more saying China, historically, they're the mates of North Korea. We, as the G20, need to be putting pressure on their President Xi Jinping to put the pressure on Kim Jong-un to put the missiles away. Seb, that wow. is a wonderful wrap. You stay safe over there. Thanks for bringing us all the up dated news from the G20 Summit in Hamburg. Thank you, Howie. Thank you, Moon Man. Thanks, and Seb. Moon Man, I have a great love.
a great love of the wonderful sport of cricket. Above any other sport, that's the one I most enjoy working on. That's the one I most enjoy watching. And I'm finding what's happening at the moment quite distressing with the pay dispute between the players and Cricket Australia. And for the first time, Australian players have now boycotted a tour for their country, an Australian A trip to South Africa. But I don't know what that means. Does that mean that we're not going to play them at all? It means we're not going on that tour. So it means the likes of Usman Khawaja and Glenn Maxwell, who would have been tuning up for an upcoming potential Ashes series will not be getting that opportunity to no bring us prep. up bring us up to date with all this and more just a wonderful cricket writer from the age john pirick joins us on the line g'day johnny good morning mark and lawrence hey how's it got to this john how has it got to this situation yeah it's a good question um howie it started well the discussions technically started in october last year and and here we are sort of nine months on with uh, no progression at all we all thought some kind of deal would have been done in the last sort of couple of weeks leading into the MOU expiring last week, but um, there was no sort of 11th hour um, efforts, and, and here we are today. So, yeah, the Australia A Tour has been cancelled, and next cab off the rank is the Test Tour of Bangladesh from late August. It's so like, due to go into camp mm-hmm. about August 10, so hopefully something can be done before then. So they, they, they cancel the tour. They don't go for strike breakers. They won't go for a B team or field some renegades. Uh, no, not at this stage. No, all, all the players are, are united sort of behind their cause and it was sort of their decision in the end not to go. So um, now there won't be a B tour or a C or a D either. <laughs> Johnny, I've been reading a lot about this, trying to get my head around it and I flip and flop between the two sides. We had Brad Hodge on earlier in the week and he was remarkably eloquent talking about that the players are united and what the players want. And then I see the other side of the coin do we need? It's about revenue and getting a percentage of the revenue. Do, do some of the revenue streams need to be split out of this? So, if, for instance, government grants are coming to the table, they're seen as revenue, and at the end of the day, the players could potentially get some of that money, which doesn't seem quite right. Do they need to split the revenue and get an agreement? I, I think so, Howie. That's what I've been saying for weeks, actually. Like, to, to the bottom line is the players at the moment are paid from are paid from. Um, a set revenue fee, but Cricket Australia only wants the players now to be paid from a surplus revenue fee, surface revenue, sorry, as opposed to um, the current model, So, which is the gross model. So um, I've thought all along perhaps some of the revenues can be pulled out. The issue is with the state players. Are they getting too much money? Perhaps some of the state players should only share in a couple of the revenue streams. You know, maybe the big broadcast rights fees just goes to the international players and perhaps even, you know, th- through the big bash as well. But the guys just playing Sheffield Shield cricket perhaps only um, do not get to share in, in the t- television sponsorships. It's an, interesting, it's, it's an interesting point, Johnny, because I think if you talk about Dave Warner, Steve Smith, Mitch Starr, you, you can say they're earning 2 million, 5 million, 12 million, 15 million. I think the average person thinks, well, you know, they are the best of the best. That's enough. But if we get to the situation where a Sheffield Shield player um, who do a wonderful amount of work, but if a Sheffield Shield player, as the revenues increase, start earning four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, which is the projected revenue models, is that too much? And I don't know if that washes with the public. Well, that, that's been the big issue in terms of cricket Australia. That they certainly say that the state players can can no longer afford the increases they've had over the last five years. Their wage has gone up fifty percent. Cricket Australia says over the last five years, um, the, the average general pay they've sort of said in their submission is about two hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. excluding um, big bash contracts. But uh, players I've spoken to say there aren't many players um, nudging that figure at all, and it's most players, are, it's a lot closer to sort of 100,000, 150,000. So it's one of those cases of who do you believe at times at the moment. But I can certainly understand Cricket Australia's position on, on the state players. Mm-hmm. In saying that, the players say, well, this is the breeding ground for, for the next generation of yep. stars, and this is where our test players come from. And even our 2020 players, most of the players come through that system. So there's sort of good arguments on both sides, but I can understand why they sort of want to put a cap on the massive increases the state players have had in the last sort of five to 10 years. And if we do lose a series, if we lose an Ashes series or a tour of South Africa, the punters start screaming, what's what's happening with Australian cricket? What are Cricket Australia doing? You know, are they building uh, the the future generations? So they have got uh, some some questions to answer as well. But essentially, it's a big pot of money. Cricket Australia is a not-for-profit organisation. So it's just about how they split that money up, isn't it? Yes, yeah, the players are due about $500 million over the next five years. So there's sort of no real dispute over the actual money coming in. It's yep. just how it's just the mechanism used to 
siphoning off, I guess, to the various parties. And of course, we have um, women players coming into this system for the first time under an MOU. Um, on face value, the money they're set to make is, is very good. Like the, the average payer of Southern Star will go from about $79,000 to $179,000. Good increase. So, but, but there again, the women have said they, they're um, firmly behind the men on this and it's sort of one in all in. Um, John, so, someone, yeah. someone's going to have to give some ground, John, and talking to the players, yeah. as you no doubt have, and obviously I know quite a few of the players, yep. and you talk to them and they say we are united. We are not going to back down at all. I presume Cricket Australia are in the same situation. Someone is going to have to back down. Well, which party do you think is going to have to give a little bit to gain a bit? Yeah, it's a very good question, Howie. Um, discussions were said to be going okay this week. Like James Sullivan has been in informal discussions, but hasn't actually come to the negotiation table as such. Um, yeah, who's, who's going to give a bit why of weight? Why is that? It, it, why, why is, and, and the players are obviously been yeah. calling out for that for James as the head of the organisation uh, to be at the table. What, why has he not been at the table? Is that, is that a negotiating ploy with Kevin Roberts in there himself? Well, that's what the players feel. Um, the, the players have seen it as, as in a personal affront that James hasn't so mm, far. Yeah. He's only been in one meeting since, he, as I said, this process began sort of in October. Um, there's sort of some CA sort of believes that perhaps the players think that if James was in the meeting, he'd, he'd roll over in some way, shape or form, considering when this last deal was done, um, Cricket Australia wanted to be as stringent as they are this time, but that didn't eventuate. Um, but CA says, well, Kevin Roberts is an experienced sports administrator. Um, he looks set to be sort of the next CEO at this stage, and he's more than capable of handling these negotiations. So it's a tricky one at the moment. I, I would have thought James would have certainly come to the table late, late negotiations. We saw that with Gillian McLaughlin when the mm. AFL um, money war was sort of reaching its peak and the players wanted to talk to him and that's what he did and that sort of somehow generated a breakthrough there. So, Johnny, as we let you go, as we let you go, the average cricket fan thinks, right, the Ashes is coming up. I want to listen to it on Triple M this year. I want to watch want to it win. on Channel 9. We want to win the Ashes. <laughs> we want to beat the Palms. Yes or no, will the Ashes go ahead full scale as it should? Yeah, the Ashes will go ahead for sure. Well, that's good news, Johnny. It is a very thorny, thorny situation, this one. Appreciate your time, mate. Love everything you do in the age. You're the number one cricket writer for mine. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. A man has wandered into this studio that I have an enormous amount of respect for because he can operate post-midnight many a night a week and still be in here ready to mm. fire. James, the hound dog, young. Hello, James. Good morning, Howie. Great to be here, Merman. Tommy Lare. Wonderful, uh, wonderful to see you. What time did you shut it down last night out and about in Melbourne town? Well... If, if, if everyone's watching, 2.29, I'm pretty sure. That's right. the, and the curfew is 2.30. Well, I'm pretty sure it was 2.29. You are wearing some sartorial splendour too in the suit. Uh, and uh, a lot of music news going down in Melbourne. There is indeed. Let me, let me tell you, uh, two of my favourite artists, Alice Cooper and uh, Ace Freely from Kiss, are uh, touring Australia. They'll be here in October, and I just wanted to announce that their um, their concert that was scheduled for Margaret Court Arena, mm. pleasingly, has been moved across to Rod Laver Arena. And haven't the um, the tennis players of Australia really been ambassadors for our character? This we've had Margaret Court. What an, what an ambassador! <laughs> Kyrgios, bang, Tomic. Look at look at our reputation. Uh, and so Alice Cooper and Ace Freely, they're touring together. They are. What uh, what uh, kind of a Unholy mix is this. It'll be a thing of beauty. In fact, my mum, the first concert I ever went to in my life was Alice Cooper. I was obsessed with Alice as a, as a seven-year-old, and she took me to Festival Hall, and that changed everything. You're in the 14th row. Out, you, you've got um, Vincent, Vince, Vincent uh, Price is doing the voiceover. Out comes the Cyclops, the Guillotine, the Black Widow Spiders. Oh. Sold, great man. Yeah. Sold. This Sold is on for the me. horror. Did he bite the head off any kind of living beast at that concert? He may well have done exactly that. But Alice Cooper, I'm just telling Melbourne, Friday, the 20th of October. We love Alice. We love Ace from Kiss. They'll be here. We are so popular here in Melbourne. They've moved it from court to arena. Excellent. Thank you very much. Now, um, I also wanted to mention uh, that, uh, well, Chris Cornell, the late Chris Cornell from mm. Sa- from uh, like Chris. from Soundgarden. Um, I mean, a little tribute for him this evening at uh, Cherry Bar in ACDC Lane. Not sure if you've heard of the venue. Uh, and uh, that'll be a huge event. I've frequented the venue, and I can say it is an absolute rock and roll mecca in Melbourne. Get well, down if you've never tried it. A celebration of the great man and his and his uh, life and music this evening. And, uh, and um, 
I also wanted to mention that uh, on the weekend, like I'm a big fan of ACDC. It's Bon Scott's, would have been his 71st birthday wow. this Sunday, Sunday the 9th of July. Ronald Belford Scott would have been 71 this Sunday. Ronald Belford Scott. And there's a big show rolling in from Perth called Bon, but not forgotten. <laughs> and, uh, Sensational. And, and it features two original members or two people who have been uh, uh, members of the of the the great ACDC in the past, Mark Evans on bass, Simon Wright on drums, and there's guest musicians, James Morley from the Angels, awesome. um, Scanny from the Poor, and even a guest appearance from uh, lead singer Dave Stevens, who's Bon Scott's son. Now, this is a very interesting story. Bon Scott's got a son who's also a singer, and uh, his name's not Scott, though. It's Stevens. That, that's right. Well, you know... In the words of Bon, if you want blood, you got it. Because here's Dave Stevens. The actual, the actual story um, is that uh, Bon um, impregnated a, a teenager in Geelong when he was in his band fraternity. And uh, the young lady, put, um, I'm pleased to say, put the child up for adoption. But just imagine the scenario here. Um, the, the child goes through his life as, a, as, as an adopted child, not knowing who, who the birth parent is. Mm. And then on their 18th birthday, makes the inquiries and discovers, uh, have you heard of our uh, Bon Scott and ACDC? Mm. Oh, yeah, I've heard uh, of yeah, That's I your dad. It. That is your <laughs> dad. You know? And as we know in Australia, you know, when you grow your first pube, you get given a copy of a Highway to Hell. <laughs> that bang, there it is, a ritual. You know? and, and, and remember, that, that record has sold more, more than 70 million copies, meaning there's three times as many copies of that record wow. on earth than there are Australians. Hold on. So, What's that stat again? There Highway are three, to Hell. There are three times as many copies of that album in existence than Australians. <laughs> it's lucky that, I, and I actually saw most of them queuing up at London Airport to get through, to get through customs recently. There's a massive queue for Highway to Hell Records, but no, it's a true story. Um, uh, and by the way, you'll see them all together at the Yarraville Club this Saturday. Uh, tickets are available from yarravillelive.com. Bon, but not forgotten. Um, and we do love our 1970s Bon Scott, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Well, get down and uh, celebrate Bon's. Life and 71st birthday at the Arable Club. We will. Just quickly, Mark Seymour on the undertow playing Hunters and Collectors and his solo material. Insanely good show. Two-hour show at the Athenaeum, Collins Street, July 21 and 22. I think it's Saturday's sold out. And just for highlights for the weekend, this Friday, that's today, Vancouver Sleep Clinic are playing at the Corner Hotel. And on Saturday, how's this for a lineup? Baby Animals, Screaming Jets, and Palace of the King at Chelsea Heights Hotel in Chelsea. Baby Animals, who's Demarche? Get down there and get amongst it. Yeah, I'd love and the Chelsea Heights just Hotel. Quickly, just on the turn off to the Franger, too. Once again tonight, the Cherry Bar. Uh, it is the Chris Cornell celebration with uh, with the all-star one-off band Super Unknown. Also a little bit of a Alice in Chains tribute from the band Alice Remains. And little little uh, Jordan Donnelly doing an acoustic Cornell session. Mm. I mean, and everyone will be down there going, can't wait. Oh, I should have mentioned, all proceeds to be on blue, all proceeds to be on Beautiful. blue for this evening's uh, oh, fundraiser down there at. Uh, well done, James. Thank you for coming in. What a way to end the working week and to support Beyond Blue. Bye there, Lawrence. We'll be there. Clowny clown, clown is clown of the week. Clown, clown of the week. <laughs> You've been clown. Mick Malloy's clown of the week. Clown up, dudes. Kids eat free Monday to Wednesday all through the school holidays at TGI Fridays. What a clown. I love this segment, Moon Doggy. We're just going to steer it for a couple of weeks till the big boys get back in town. Mm. We're going to start. Uh, we crossed to a man earlier on the show by the name of Peter Summers who brought us an extraordinary story. So the first clown of the week is the thief who stole a stuffed turtle in Geelong. Yesterday, man, this guy came in the shop. He stuffed a, you know, foot and a half round taxidermy turtle under his under his jacket. He uh, came past the counter, said, "What a great shop you got." My best mate walked in as he left and said, "Did that guy just buy a turtle?" I said, "I don't think so." Man, the young guy who works on his yard, we chased him out the door. He got on his bike, rode around the corner. Freight train was coming through. He, uh, Jared was running. I was driving the car. We sort of got him in between the two of us. He clipped the car, trying to get away, fell over. Jared jumped on top of him. He um, had a struggle, and he tried to go for his bag. He pulled his something out of his bag, and I said, what's that, what's that? Jared got him back down the ground. I kicked it away. We thought it was a pipe bomb. 
guys across the road rang the police. The police turned about seven cars turned up in about five minutes. It oh, it's escalated from a turtle to a pipe bomb, Peter. It wasn't actually a pipe bomb. It was a homemade gun. Oh, is that all? And he, and, and he had two of them in his bag, both loaded. That was Peter wow. Summers from Barwon Heads. If you're going to go and steal something, a stuffed turtle is not it. So the gentleman that stole that, he's Clown of the Week. Uh, I think everyone will agree with me when I clown Bernard Tomic. Um, not only did he say he was bored and sick of playing the game and had lost the passion, uh, he pulled down $65,000 for 84 minutes worth of tennis. Mm. But he cost himself $20,000 in fines when asked, did you have a medical condition? Because he stopped the game down because of a medical condition. This was his answer. Oh, not really. I just tried, um, you know, there was definitely a mental issue out there, but... Um, yeah, I just tried to break a bit of momentum, but uh, just couldn't find any rhythm, rhythm, and uh, you know, wasn't mentally and physically there in, with my uh, with my mental state to perform. And uh, I don't know why, but uh, you know, I felt a little bit bored out there. So, you know, to be completely honest with you, so um, you know, I tried at the end and stuff. He managed to win that set six three or six four, but it was too late. Yeah, I don't think boredom is a men- uh, a physical illness, is it? No, I'll tell you what, I've got to take a bit of a break. I've um, strained me. Uh, I'm just bored. I'm bored. <laughs> one triple three five three. Give us a call with your suggestions for clown of the week. One triple three five three. I'm going to clown the Herald Sun. Oh, for running photos of Nick Kyrgios, a 23 year old, partying out with a couple of ladies, having a beer. That's Two not... page expose, including photos on the front, and then a little tag: more photos, explosive photos online. And did you have a look at the explosive photos no, online? it's a bloke going out with a couple of girls having a beer. And they also put some fake flames behind Kyrgios <laughs> and the did. two girls to make it more explosive. Herald Sun, Clowns of the Week. <laughs> I will, uh, I'd like to clown Malcolm Turnbull, my close friend, oh. and the man that's uh, helping to educate my children. Um, he refused to say Tony Abbott's name. I thought this was just petulant stuff on behalf of the 29th Prime Minister of Australia, Malcolm Bly Turnbull. Have a listen. Finally, I want to ask you about Tony Abbott. He spoke at a Liberal branch <coughs> meeting. Audio has been leaked to Fairfax. <coughs> Mr Abbott described your budget as second best. And a party that has to do what's second best, because the Senate made us do it, is a party which needs some help. Is Tony Abbott being helpful? Well, I'm not going to comment on uh, on the uh, gentleman you described, uh, you d- referred to, but let me just say this about the budget. Will Tony Abbott ever feature in a Turnbull cabinet? Look, again, I'm, I, I know your, your interest in the gentleman you described, but I'm not... You keep using I, no, that phrase. Oh, well, you know, you well, no, 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 listen, you, look, please. Gentleman well, look, described. well, you, you, this is your interest. My focus is on the 24 million Australians I'm elected to represent. I would say rise above that stuff, Malcolm. That is childish. Lawrence, you've been rolling through a few, and the next one you've suggested to me in the ad break, I want to distance myself from this. Now, hold on a moment. Uh, loathed as I am to clown someone in our own camp. I don't it think it's appropriate. No, it, Clown of the Week knows no boundaries and there's no diplomatic immunity. You can run, but you can't hide from Clown of the Week. If you're a clown, you get clowned. And uh, I think I had to clown Sally Spicer from oh. our newsroom. I know, Sal, uh, you are a greenhorn and a rookie and you're new to this, but it's a tough game. Oh, this is not fair or you, appropriate. You did report on a fire and said there was no fire. We just heard on the news about a fire in South Melbourne. Triple M's own Sally Spicer is on the scene at the moment. Sal, what's happening? Good morning. Well, uh, can't stress enough, no actual fire here at the moment. All right, Sal, thanks for keeping us updated. You be careful down there. 100. I will. Catch you. 100, 100 people evacuated from the block there as a fire raged inside a warehouse where a fire had uh, been Gutted. set earlier in well, the week. Uh, Sal in her past reported from the Great Fire of London in the 1600s. It was Nothing just a, to see here, firecracker. A, a small blaze that broke yeah. out. Lucky oh. she wasn't a Black Saturday, just a small grass fire on the outskirts of town. Uh, As I said, I didn't think that. You're, now, now, hold on. You, well, 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 you distance yourself from me. Like yes. you've got, like you've well, got I don't nothing. Think it's appropriate. But you clowned our newsroom. We've got a bloke over there, Joe, doing his best. He came to grief because of technology, and you 
just poured a pile well, on at the end of people. the day Joe's job don't who you pretend to be some shining nidra man I've got too much empathy Joe, <laughs> Joe, too much empathy Joe unluckily missed four straight news breaks in a row on Monday when we were trying to get underway I'm no, going to clown I'm going to I'm you Lawrence Mooney really for making a fool of yourself when trying to give me a hard time during the week tell me where you're going out to dinner Young Howie, <laughs> young little wit behind the ears, Howie. I'm going from to... Barwon Bloody Downs. I'm going to Nobu tonight. Nobu, yes, I, I have taught you how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> yes. What? How did Me. you? Where did you say you were going to dinner before? I said I was going to Nobu. No, you didn't. Come on, come on, be honest with the people. Okay, I'm a chicken parmigiana man. I thought I was going to Nobu. Nobu. <laughs> <laughs> You thought you'd get off to Nobu. <laughs> we have since found out the correct pronunciation is Lawrence. Nobu. We had a Japanese expert call in and say it is ni na not correct. Nobu. So your clown of the week. Any I others am, from you? Well, I'm going to self clown. Oh, first of all, a uh, self clown. Yeah, a man has to put in some preparation before his wife's birthday. Yes. Uh, you've got to have that date tattooed on the inside of your arm. You've yes. got to know when it's coming up. There's got to be triggers. You've got to put something in your calendar. And I left it to the day. So clown me, please. Yeah. Not and only did you leave it to the day, you announced on Breakfast Radio that you hadn't done anything. It was a mea culpa, but it's a good way of saying happy birthday. I know I'm a bit of a tool and a clown. I will also, uh, I'd just like to clown the Essendon Football Club last <laughs> Sunday, losing... Losing to the bottom side, really. Just going to leave a silence there. I can't oh. say anything more than that. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to beat that. Uh, Gary's on the line on one triple three five three. Who do you want to clown, Gaz? Oh, Lawrence Mooney, clown of the week. A handmade card, please, <laughs> me. Correct, made a handmade card, which is what his four-year-old should be doing for her mum, not him for his wife. I agree, Gary. Go to a news agent for Christ's sake. Reuse, recycle, <laughs> reduce, Gary. The planet's in crisis, mate. Good on you, Gaz. Clown of the week, I said I wasn't comfortable with you clowning. The wonderful new reporter we have here, Sally Spicer, who and reported... I reported that there was no fire when there was a raging blaze next to an apartment block where 100 people had to be evacuated. I have good news because I, I was uncomfortable that Sally would hear this and it would not be right for her in the workplace. <laughs> the good news is she didn't hear it because she was in the boss's office getting... Strips torn off her because she parked in his car park. <laughs> oh, no. So she didn't a, hear it. Not a great one. So you're okay. Hey, plenty of footy to get through. Massive round. Kicks off tonight. The doggies take on the crows. If the dogs drop this one, Lawrence Mooney, which I'm tipping they will, mm. well, it's going from a few problems to major problems down there at the kennel. Yeah, I, uh, I went across on April the 30th to the Adelaide Oval to see Richmond yep. play Adelaide. They're very hard to beat over there. Uh, the crowd's right behind them. The dogs will go down. I reckon they might struggle to make the final. There you go. Uh, keep an ear out for the Friday huddle tonight from 6pm, starring, as he said, Chris Judd. This is a man, Moon Man, that when we used to deal with him post-game when he was playing footy, the most boring footballer to ever conduct interviews. Well, he has changed his stripes <laughs> because he was on the hot breakfast last week and he was a lot of fun. In fact, he was the first guest on the 8.30 slot of the front bar and uh, he even joked that because on the footy show, Barry Hall and Brett Staker were reenacting that incident, maybe he should uh, get Lee Adams and reenact the chicken wing. <laughs> this is the stuff he brings to the table, so keep an ear so, out yeah, for Chris he, Judd from 6pm. Uh, very happy to, you know... Have a go at himself, talk about his career. He has opened up since finishing playing. He made some statements as we were leaving the game last Friday night that will be replayed tonight on Triple M and they have to be heard to be believed. The Bombers take on the Pies at the MCG tomorrow. That's the game on Triple M, the Saturday Rub Boys from 2, uh, 12pm and the game starts at 2.10. Uh, the last two Bomber losses have been close ones. We've got a good outfit and uh, I would say that we're going to beat the Pies and easily. Yeah, I think the Essendon Footy Club might get the job done there. A St Kilda take on Richmond. Maddie's match. Jump on the website there. Get yourself donating to uh, help out that cause. Maddie's match. St Kilda versus Richmond. The Tigers for me. I think the Tigers are going really, really well and could... 
could finish top four. I know you're taking risks when you say that about Richmond, but they're playing well. Richmond will beat St Kilda as uh, we turn Eddie Hat into a sea of purple for Maddie. And Carlton versus Melbourne on Sunday, the Sunday rub from 1 p.m. Carlton really, really good defensively. Melbourne have got a lot of outs, but great news, Jesse Hogan comes back into the side, so I think the Demons might just get over the line. I reckon Carlton in that one. It's going to be close. It's going to be a good game. Couldn't be more excited to have our next guest in the studio or about her show that is about to kick off Sunday 7 p.m. on Channel 9, Australian Ninja Warrior. I'll be watching this one mm. for this lady and for the show itself and Freddie Flintoff, Rebecca Madden from the footy show and everything else at 9. Jones, oh, hello, Beck. Oh, how are you, Lawrence? So nice to see you in the G'day flesh. Beck. Yeah, come on. You. Look at you. Oh, we're all making holding a ring hands. of light. Isn't this Woo-hoo. lovely? Lovely to see you. I've seen the promos. Yeah. I'm not big on reality TV. I've seen this and I thought, this is a show I want to watch. When you say reality, it doesn't really fit into the no. mould of reality no. in a way because it's actually a sports contest. Sport, that's it. it it's a sport contest it's a new sport for Australia that's how we want everyone to look at it because that's essentially what it is CrossFit more than CrossFit sort of it's everything combined it's tough mutter it's it, it's everything there's rock climbers there's you know it's quite extraordinary to see uh, these athletes and they come from all walks of life there's one thing about this that I find a little bit depressing, and that right. is how awesome it is. Because there's some bodies out there, oh, know. you know, just... Have you that. ever seen a 12-pack? Because I can guarantee yeah. you it exists. No, I've seen a slab, but um, <laughs> it's living underneath this shirt. But where they do the uh, the chin-up and they're jumping to the next level. Oh, that's And freaky. it's totally ripped. Because I would enjoy uh, seeing the weigh-in of Biggest Loser. I'd watch that with in a pair of underpants and a packet of Tim Tams. <laughs> Thinking I'm better than those people. Are That's you, why I say yeah. this is a bit depressing because these folk have obviously devoted their lives to their strength and their core. Their yeah, core is their engaged. Core, I, it is engaged. I can guarantee you that. Do you know the weird thing is that I spoke to a lot of the competitors, speaking to a lot of the competitors, and they've been training for this event for years, but they didn't know it was ever coming to Australia. Wow. Don't you find that weird? Someone right. training for an event that didn't actually hoping, exist. Hoping, hoping and To wishing. get their rigs out so these, on national television. Yeah, these are people exactly. that set goals. Exactly. Which I don't those know. people. I don't buy green bananas. I've they're got no goals. People. But it doesn't matter if you're into fitness or maybe not into fitness. It's still a spectacle to watch. And you should feel comfortable on your couch at home with your bowl of ice cream watching these people. My word, you shouldn't. You'll get to watch you and Freddie as well. This is a man I had the pleasure of working with on the oh, Big Bash. Oh, isn't he the best? What an absolute cracker he is. I know. He's so funny. His humour is so dry. And he's actually on the sidelines. So he's down there on floor, on ground level speaking um, to the athletes if they, they bomb out. He gets them out of the pool and has a chat. And he's very witty, as you know, and very dry. And, uh, and very fit now. He is very fit. He's bloody trim, isn't he? Well, he doesn't drink Fre- anymore. No. He doesn't drink anymore. And um, he goes to the gym every day or does his cycle thing every day. Um, so out of all of us, Ben Fordham, myself and Freddie, if anyone was going to have a crack at the course and at least get past the first obstacle, it probably would be Freddie. This is a man as an athlete that has lived his life in reverse. He played for England. Correct. He captained England. He was on the Terps in the Caribbean. He was out on those funny boats causing trouble, <laughs> drinking every night and trying to take wickets. Yeah. Big fat slob. Yeah. Now he's retired. Isn't that bizarre? He's fit and firing. But he bizarre. also has been very open uh, about coming to terms with his mental health. Yes. And getting fit and getting off the booze has mm-hmm. been part of that. Part and of it. He seems to be more happy and more consistent, as you were saying before, Howie, too. So have you tried the course? Because this morning on the Today Show, we saw Clint Stanaway showing off his muscles. I missed it, but how did it go? He did did very well. There's this ramp, this kind of like skateboard ramp. It's almost a vertical climb. It's called the warped wall, which is the panacea of the whole course. uh, Ring a bell at the top, I think. Sort of. Trying to touch something. Anyway, (laughs) It's a bit more high tech than ringing a bell. Yeah, whatever. It's a very expensive show, Lawrence. Have you put on the... uh, the leisure wear and got up No, there. I put on the leisure wear, but I haven't got up the right. warped wall. I think just for insurance purposes, the producers said to us, or perhaps they just didn't want us to be embarrassing in front of everybody that, no, you cannot do the course because right. it's tough. I think yeah. I could take it. Oh, how? How we have? I just said this to you in this I interview, people have been training for years for this specific course, and then you just come out with that sort of statement. Well, how, how is he? How many times well, a week would cocky. you surf Howie? Oh, if Channel 10's listening once, okay, really? Okay, hang on, hang on. I'll, I'll tell you if you can do it. Now, see these little hands of his? They're yes. very little delicate tiny. little hands. Yes. And you've actually got skinnier fingers than me, right. which I didn't think possible. What's that got to do with it? Well, this has got a lot to do with it. It's all about hand and grip strength. 
It's all about these. No, it's not. It's not your biceps. Oh. A lot of it is actually finger strength. <laughs> is it? Yes, because you've got to hang in midair just by your tiny, teeny fingers. Do you know And he... looking at your little things, <laughs> little sticks, chopsticks oh, you've got up. there on the end of your hands. I don't reckon yep. you can hold. hold Tell on. us this, Beck. Are we yeah. live to air with Ninja Warrior or is it already recorded? Uh, no, it's already recorded. Right. Because it's a sh- we, go, we go through 250 oh, yeah, athletes. Right, and do we end up with a Ninja Warrior? You'll have to watch and see. Okay. Australian Ninja Warrior starts mm-hmm. this Sunday, Channel 9, 7pm. Great show. You need to watch it. Also, you need to watch the footy show, which is going from strength to strength. I enjoyed the show last night. Hutchie, yeah. and I must declare it as one of my great mates, a wonderful man, I've got a lot of time for him, took on Stevie J in a trick-kicking contest and won. I know. Can you... I, He's going to be unbearable. Who, who knew he had skills? I've played who, footy and cricket with Hutchie. And he's not. Do you know what, how this started? So we mm. had a um, we had a, a little legends footy clinic out at Ringwood on Monday, yep. right? And so Hutchie, essentially, the clinic is for you know two thousand eight year olds. But Hutchie just took it upon himself to steal the limelight for the whole thing. There he is. Yeah, that sounds exactly like my friend Hutchie. And then he kept doing these trick shots. And if I wasn't there and seen, saw it with my own eyes, I would not have believed it. But he is phenomenal. So on his bucket list is sort of having a, a kick and a trick shot competition with Stevie J. He did it and he beat him. He beat him. He, Can you believe it? So he, he kicked one of the great goals in the legend matches. And I don't say did. that lightly. A big check side from 45. I actually played footy for Paran with Hutchie and cricket with Hutchie. One of the great sledges in the history of oh. cricket. Didn't matter if it was an 18-year-old. A 28-year-old or a 14-year-old, the big right. fella would pile in. Imagine if he got himself, sorry, Hutch, but imagine if he really got himself into shape. What do you he would mean? Have actually been He's a in really terrific <laughs> shape. He's going, all right, the big Hutch. No, you know what I mean. The like, big lumbering Hutchie off the half-forward line. <laughs> nah, no, he doesn't get as far as the half-forward line. He's the goal square style operator, the big boy. So yeah. last night, what was the range of kicks? Did we have checkside banana? We, we had, we you have... know, try and get through the door and into the rubbish bin and oh. off the staircase and that. And so it was the office shots. footy trick it shots. Was. It much. was. Really, I enjoyed Terrific. it. I also enjoyed this little bit of conversation between you and your great mate, Sam Newman. I've got some other things on. Oh, good. Oh, it's the number oh, one ticket holder. Ninja. You're the biggest you, show on Australian you, TV. You shelve yeah, everything got... if you're the number one ticket holder. No, I... <laughs> Why don't we get a, you shout me a first class ticket and we'll go up together. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. That's a good idea of mine. Get on to that. Get those tickets, Rob. Get those tickets booked now, will you? That was the conversation. Why you weren't going to watch the Cats up in Brisbane. I know. Has he sorted it out? Well, it's only been a few hours since we got off air, but I've got a wedding on. So, unfortunately, that is my legitimate excuse. But how's the crowd? Seriously, they really get behind you, don't they? Seriously, get up there, Madden. Yeah, it sounds like a rowdy mob. Cheapest creepers. I missed one match in 10 years. (laughs) Sam Newman hasn't been to a match since he played for Geelong. And then he's giving me stick for not going up there. Is there a little bit of jealousy from Sammy that you're the number one ticket holder? Probably. He's not. Probably. But he's got his name well, on a few boards on, down there that I Rebecca. don't. So hey, Beck, they hand us a little bio whenever a guest comes in. And what? the first line on your bio, Rebecca started in radio in 2000, originally working as a sports reporter for Triple M Melbourne. You've come a long way Welcome in 17 years. And I can actually go back further than that. Ooh. When I was at uni, I actually was in the Triple M Rock Patrols. Were oh, you? That is where yeah. I used to hand out icy cold Coca-Cola 600 mil buddies. Really? And a packet of chips in those and days. So, uh, Beck, where are you? You're right now. Yeah, I'm at the corner of Dowens and so and so. That's what I used to say. Um, that was the best uni job in the world. Seriously, we used to wear um. These were back in the non-PC days, really tight T-shirts and really short, shorty, short shorts. What's happened to those days? I don't know. They've gone. And so my girlfriends and I, we had the best time. If uh, we turned up, we had five crosses a day. If we turned up to one, we were doing well. So do you picture That's yourself? the triple M I know and love. Do you picture yeah, yourself now? Yeah, this tiny t-shirt and these shorts on and go and fling soft drinks at the listeners. Do you pinch yourself now that you are hosting two of the biggest, shiniest shows on Australian television? In congratulations, all, by In the way. all seriousness, absolutely yes. It's quite bizarre. And my husband said it to me the other day. He's like, are you excited about Ninja? I'm like, yeah, nervous and excited at the same time. And he said, you should be really proud of yourself. Oh, I'm getting all really deep this morning, aren't I? But in the non-PC world no, in which we be. live, d- yeah. does your husband 
still request you to get into the old triple and out trip than the, the Black Thunder. No, he has other requests, and I don't oh, know if you he? saw my. <laughs> I don't know if you saw my grand final dance last I year. Did. The grand final. It was exceptional. Uh, review. Yes. Anyway, I won't go further. But you have that. done absolutely. <laughs> you have done so well for yourself. Is there a, a next step in a career plan, or you retirement? Just a, retirement. Right. Retirement is my next step. You're not thinking about going on to coach uh, to the coach. cats. Yeah. Well, people well Scotty's just signed a new contract, so it won't be for a little while. Outside the sport. Now. Well, they need to look outside the square, yeah, don't they? Absolutely. And some news out of Geelong, and one of your favourites, Paddy Dangerfield. Ah, uh, yeah, baby boy, boy George. He had George Patrick Dangerfield. He named his child after himself. Didn't Isn't he? that lovely? He's gone the Greg Norman <laughs> route. Paddy might be Good getting to be carried away you know himself. Apparently, the baby's fantastic, and it had its first bath yesterday, and Paddy was over the moon and very strong overhead too. Apparently. Yeah, and I think he's a right footer too. Fantastic. Ninja Warrior is going to be massive. You've got to look over your shoulder for the uh, the front bar coming at you on the footy show. But Ninja Warrior is going to be huge, Beck, and it starts Sunday, Channel 9 at 7pm. Me and Howie are on board Great. for different reasons. You think you can do it, <laughs> and, and also, I know that I never will. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, Monday and Tuesday as well. Oh, three in a row. Yeah. You are a star. We are through one week of the Winter Breakfast, Lawrence Mooney, depending on how you feel about the show, the good or the bad news is we've got one more week next week. Well, I'm looking very much forward to that. Uh, another week of Winter Breakfast with you, Howie. I've got to know you as a man. Yes. I don't know whether I like that, but no. Uh, <laughs> no. no it's the... been a terrific week. We've had fun and uh, it's just flown along. A big lineup, I guess, next week. Shane Jacobson of Kenny and Oddball fame has got a new show coming out. Chris Judd, who will be on the Friday huddle from 6pm tonight Your on mate. Triple M Footy. My mate. Paul Ruse as well. He'll be on Triple M Football on Sunday from 1 o'clock on the Sunday rub. Lord Mayor Robert Doyle. I don't think he'll be on Triple M Footy, but always an entertaining chat. And Andrew Bogut. Really looking forward to that to find out how the big man is and who he's going to play basketball for next in the NBA. Plus the Prime Minister will be in. The there'll Prime be Minister quizzes. There'll be prizes and tickets as always. And uh, there'll be you and me, Howie, with young Tom. With young Tom. What else could you want? Uh, dangerous. Morning, guys. How are you, Big Daddy? Happy Friday to you. Uh, yeah. I went to bed Friday. with you last night, Lawrence. I Did went to you? bed with you and woke up with you. Wow. That's a lot of Lawrence. <laughs> Hey, Dave, Good what, what happens at your place stays at your <laughs> wow. place? Uh, did you enjoy the front bar last really, night? Really, really good. So I love it. I just love the conversation of it. It's good. It's good. It's good vibe about it. Yeah. Was it the same got? shirt you were wearing last night on the show, by the way? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was the... And hello to Channel 7 Wardrobe. Where's Lawrence's shirt? <laughs> Where's Lawrence's shirt? I just looked familiar because, as I said, I went to bed and I saw that shirt. And I liked the shirt. Where's and, that um, extra large shirt of Lawrence's? What are you wearing today? Hey, hey Dangerous, um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> We've only got four triple extra larges here at 7. We need that one. Extra large. <laughs> we need that one back. Have a good show, Dangerous. Thanks, guys. Been a big week of the winter breakfast. Well done to you, Moon Man. Well done, everyone. Put the show together. MJ and LJ out there. Mon, as well as Tommy in here, did a magnificent job when Rosie decided to have a bit of a spell. Well done, Moon Doggy. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great weekend. Have a great, a safe, wonderful weekend. Peace and love. We'll be back on Monday from 6. Keep an eye out for oh, the Friday the huddle bin. from 6 p.m. tonight. I got it in the bin. Woo! It's been a long week with Lawrence Mooney. Winter breakfast. Triple M. Triple M.